0: Don't let that go to your head, son. I won't. There's been too many conversations. <clears throat> the Word is good. Amen. The Word is very good. You know, <clears throat> I sit in that corner over there, and a lot of times I just listen. I just want to hear what God's doing, I try to listen for his voice, and I hear you guys singing, and I, think to my, I thought to myself this morning, how many churches... Are in the middle of music and they're not hearing what I'm hearing. In the midst of the singing and the praising, they're not hearing the voices that I'm hearing. But maybe there's a spirit of deadness just because I am thankful that this church is alive. I am thankful that God is using you to have an impact in this world. Um, Listen. So a few weeks ago, I, I, I went to, to Mike and I said, listen, I, for some reason I feel like I need, to, I need to move some things around a little bit. And I said, I know this is hard. I said, but do you think you might be able to preach this coming Sunday? And I said, I, for some reason I just feel like I need to do this after the men's retreat um, and sort of setting the precedence for where we go because uh, I'll talk about it at the end. We're going to start in the book of Mark coming up next week. And so you can go ahead and be preparing um, and walking along with us as we begin that journey through the gospel of Mark. But for some reason, I just felt in my spirit, I needed to hold this for today. I don't know if you know this, but it was 11 years ago that we moved into this facility. Amen. And God blessed us with this. Absolutely. And we need to be faithful stewards with what God has blessed us with. And and I don't know how all this stuff goes goes together, but but, um, but I feel like, God, there's, there's something that's just stirring, and I, I want to be able to share this today, and it goes back to the, to the series that we've been doing on prayer. But before we do that, let me just, let me just make a, a couple of announcements. I don't know if we have anything. Yesterday began Love Week here within our community, and you can see some of the things that are going on in Love Week by accessing that website, loveweekfp.com. There's different things that are going on. And you say, well, why in the world would we want to love our community? Because we can. That's who we are. And not only just us, but other businesses and, and churches and organizations. There's just a lot of things that are going and we're, as we try to, to create this attitude of, of, uh, of love here within our community, uh, this attitude of kindness. And so if you want to participate with us, man, I'd love for you to join us individually or as a family or corporately as a business uh, or wherever you may work, or a civic organization, but there's ways that you can participate. You can see that information on loveweekfp.com, some of the things that are going on, but you don't have to, I don't have to tell you how to love somebody else. Just go make a difference, amen? Yes. Just go make a difference. Go love somebody, go do something out of the ordinary where somebody would go, wow, I wonder why they would do that, and it opens up the door for conversation. Isn't that right, Scott Wyatt? Who's gonna win the football game tonight? Not Pittsburgh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Pittsburgh's let us down the past few years, brother. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I, I don't know, but, uh, that, oh, yes. So anyway, so I want to get that out of the way. And the second thing that I want to say to you is this. Thank you for all of you that have, have said, hey, we, we can help um, in, in moving things and in, in trying to assist during this renovation time. Listen, how, does, how did we say it? Uh, renovation is a must, so please excuse the dust, Okay. And so if you'll just excuse the dust over the next few weeks, uh, we can do all that we can to try to get things up. But know that there's dust lingering in the air. I don't think it's going to kill you. I don't know of any asbestos, okay? So it's okay. (laughs) Don't say that word. But anyway, just excuse, look over it, be kind, be gracious, and knowing we're doing everything that we can, especially this is going to be a little chaotic in the children's environments and downstairs over the next several weeks as that's going on. But that team is doing an incredible job. And so well, we've been in this series on prayer, and I told you a while ago that I just I felt a need to, to sort of back up some things and, and do this today. But I think if I were to give you a synopsis about prayer, one of the things is that prayer is a big deal. Amen? Amen? It's a really big deal. And 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 um and prayer isn't just about asking God for something, but it's what God is doing inside of our hearts and our minds during that time. And as I finish up today, uh, we're going to go back and we're going to look at something that Jesus prayed for at one specific point in his life. And he prayed for our protection. And if you go back to the book of Acts in the beginning of the early church, we will see that regardless of what country you live in, what language you speak, this threat has been prevalent since the beginning of the church. And Jesus prayed specifically for this specific need because he knew before he ever left what we were going to face in the days ahead. And he knew that this was going to be a challenge. And he knew that we would need the power of the Holy Spirit if we were going to be able to overcome this threat. And so having said that, I'd like for you to turn with me this morning to John chapter 17. The Gospel of John chapter 17. And while you're turning there, What we're going to get today is a little bit of a picture of what Jesus valued. And as a result, because of what he valued, what he prayed for. And this is how it begins in chapter 17. Jesus is, is praying for his disciples and he's beginning to prepare them for what's to come, for his eventual departure from this world. And in verse 11, this is what we read the scripture, what Jesus prays. He says, Now I am departing from the world and they are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. So Jesus knows that his time on earth is limited. He knows that this drawing nigh is short. And in his prayer, he says this, Father, I'm getting ready to leave and I'm coming to see you. But when I do, I'm going to leave my friends behind. I'm going to leave my buddies behind. And and it's really important to note here that up until this time, Jesus had been with his disciples. He He had been their teacher. He had been their encourager. He had walked alongside of them as their protector. But he was also their friend. Jesus had been there, but now he's getting ready. He's preparing them for his eventual departure. And Jesus knew what they would face. He knew that they would face. If you've ever had small children, okay, in the past or in the present, you know what it's like to take your kids to preschool or to the daycare for the first time. Are you with me? Moms, you know that feeling. You know, the tears and the questions, you know, as you take them and you drop them off and you're like, what, well, I just don't know if they're going to make it or not. Just, they might need me. and It's going to be okay, Mom. We've done this before. It's going to be fine. I promise you. And there are the tears and there are the questions. The what, if, what if they get lost? And they're not going to get lost. But sometimes they do get lost, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they might get hurt. And what happens if they cry and I'm not there? I've always been there. You know that. But it's just not at that age because it's the same way when you send them off to college, isn't it? Oh, I can't believe I've got to leave you behind. It's going to be okay. I promise it's going to be fine. And it's not just when you drop them off at college. It's when, you, it's when, you, when they get married and, you, and, and they say, I do, and you're like, okay, go, you know, move. <laughs> Some of you have been at all three of those stages and you're celebrating today. But what we see is there is a connection between what's going on in the heart and the mind of Jesus and how he prays. And listen at how he prays Holy Father, you've given me your name. Now protect them. Protect them. Protect my friends. Protect my buddies. Protect my disciples. My disciples. Protect them now by the power of your name. And you know names are important. I mean, every one of us in this room have a name, right? Yeah. Names are important. We know people by their names. I was named after my father, my father was named after his father, my, my father's father was named after his father, and vice versa. Caleb, when Caleb was born, Caleb was named after me. Not his name is it Sidney Shepherd Brock Jr., his name is Caleb Shepherd Brock. The name Caleb means strong and courageous. The name Shepherd means sheep herder. It means guider. It means protector. And Caleb was given his name specifically because that's who we wanted him to be. And in the Bible, we see where God's people were known by his name. And in the New Testament, people who followed Jesus were known as followers of the way or Christians. And they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Why? Because names are important and there's power in, in a name. And here's Jesus praying for protection over his disciples by the supernatural power of his name. And he prayed that way for a specific reason. Look at that. It says, why did he pray? So that, and you want you to underline that because that's what's called a henna clause. So that, so then, in order that, and it means, what it means in the Greek language is something's fixing to happen that's really important. Pay very close attention to what comes next. And here's what's important. Here's the main point. Jesus says, protect them. Why? So that they will be united as we are. And so here's Jesus praying for his disciples that they would be united in one, just like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And out of everything that Jesus could have prayed for, here it is, we see him praying for unity. And he prayed for unity because he knew the destructive power of disunity. Amen? That was pretty weak. He prayed for unity because he knew the destructive power of disunity. Amen? Amen. Jesus knew that there would be plenty of opportunities from then on out for people to get their feelings hurt, for people to feel left out, for the selfish ambitions and selfish motives of one another, for jealousy and pettiness. pettiness. And Jesus knew the potential for conflict based on likes and dislikes. Jesus knew that. And up until this time, Jesus had been with them to navigate all the issues that they were experiencing. I mean, the conversation, the pettiness, like who's going to sit on the right and who's going to sit on the left? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Jesus knew. I mean, the conversations about teachings, disagreements, and now here's Jesus getting ready to leave, and he knew, man, he knew, he knew the threat that would be imposed upon them, and he knew what was at stake, and he knew that the greatest threat that they would face would be themselves. Look to the person next to you and say, I just want you to know I'm a threat. Some are bigger threats than others. Because see, here's the, here's the reality. Let's just, let's just be honest about this. The reality is that our natural, natural bent isn't towards other people, but it's towards me. Because what I want is more important than what you want. My opinion is a whole lot more important than your opinion. And Jesus knew that attitude would be a threat, not only to those on the inside, but those on the outside looking in. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And so here's Jesus looking at the disciples. He knew their personalities. He knew their strengths. He knew their weaknesses. And he ho- looked ahead and knowing their struggles that they would face, and hence his prayer helped them. Father, help them. Because I'm not going to be here. Maybe you've prayed a similar prayer at some point in time in life, or maybe it's for your children, or maybe it's for another family member. But Jesus didn't just pray that for his disciples. Skip ahead with me to verse 20, and look who else he prays for. He said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for who? All. For all who will ever believe in me through their message. So here's Jesus not only praying for his disciples, but also every other person that would come to believe and trust in him in the days ahead. And look at what he prayed for. I pray that they, he's talking about us, he's talking about He's talking about us, so he's talking about, I, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. You So here's Jesus praying for unity and community inside of the body, for the fellowship of the body between, just like it would have been, there would be unity just as there was between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That there would be this closeness of relationship. And he goes on to say, and may they be in us or may they be one. I read in one place, and I don't know who to believe. I've not sat down and and calculated them all out and counted them all out, but there are those that say there's between 30,000 and 45,000 different Christian denominations around the world. That's a lot. I wonder how many of those those have been birthed out of vision, or have they been birthed out of conflict or preference? And here's Jesus 2,000 years ago, knowing the tensions that would exist, the potential for foolishness. And it gives us a little bit of an idea of why he intentionally prayed the way that he did because he knew that the greatest threat to the gospel itself would be the lives of the very ones who would proclaim it. You want to know why some people don't want anything to do with the church? It's because of those of us that are on the inside. How many times have people rejected the message of the gospel because of the lifestyles of those who profess it? Why are you telling me how great God is when I look at your life and you're no different than me? You talk to me about anger and you talk to me about bitterness, but you're no different than me. You talk to me about forgiving others and yet you hold grudges. You talk to me about how much God loves me and how I need to love other people, but the only thing I ever hear you say is something that comes out of your mouth is gossip, it's negative, and it's destructive. There's so much at stake. And even though we will always have our individuality, Jesus said, I want you to understand that your oneness must take precedence. I want your oneness to shine not your knowledge, not your intellect, not your ability, but I want your oneness. I want your community. I want your unity. I want your fellowship to shine to the world. Amen? Amen. And Jesus said, may they be in us or be one, and there's that word, those words again, that henna clause, so that, and it's important, it's coming up, so that. Not oneness for unity's sake or happiness, but because there's something greater that's at stake. And Jesus is about to tell us what it is. And and here it is so that the world will believe that you sent me. The unity of the body is a testimony to the world. Jesus said it would be our love and it would be our unity and our fellowship towards one another that would lead people towards Christ. Not your doctrine, not your practices, not your ministries, or anything else. But when there's selfish ambition, it leads to disunity and it leads to division. And it's not only ugly, it is distracting, amen? And what it does is it keeps us from fulfilling the purpose and the mission that that Jesus instituted the church for to begin with. And Jesus knew the threat. He knew the threat. He knew what was coming. And he knew that if the church was going to have influence in the days ahead and the world in which we live, that our unity as believers and that fellowship would play such a huge part. And Jesus didn't just tell us that unity was important. No, no, but he he goes on to tell us what the key to unity is. And listen to what he says in verse 22 and 23. I have given them the glory you gave me. Talking about us. I've given it to them. So that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. Listen to this. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And so here we see the key to unity, Jesus. Jesus. See, Jesus is what unifies us. He unites us, the Father, as well as each other. Jesus is saying, here, here is, is Father, just as you and I are one, may I be in them and they in us. So Jesus is at the center of it all. He is the rallying point. That's what he is. He's the rallying part. We've got all kinds of things that we can rally around. I mean, Huck's was being funny earlier about Kansas City and San Francisco. Who cares? I mean, but I know some of you guys. Y'all got your shirts, and then you got your hats, and you're ready to party on Hardy tonight, you know, your team. But it may not be your pro team. It may be something else. I mean, all of a sudden, I've gone from an Oklahoma Thunder uh, 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 guy I like to watch Trey. Now I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan because I want to watch him play. He's one of our homeboys. I want to watch him. And uh, I don't know if Colt's in here, but we just got district champions last night. we got a lot of district champions going on all, all over the place. Yes. <laughs> Man, we got Leesburg. We got Wildwood. We got uh, the Villages. We got, we got championships. This is a, a hotbed for sports in this area. And we've got some incredible coaches there's all kinds of things that we rally around. I mean, and we'll spend money, we'll go, and man, when they score, we'll clap and we'll stand up and we'll just yell to the top of our lungs to show our support and our, our commitment. Maybe you remember, some of you were living back in 1980, and maybe you remember the story of something else we rallied around. You Maybe you remember, do you know what happened in 1980? The Olympics, yes you're a hockey fan I wasn't a hockey fan until all of a sudden the 1980 Olympics and it was USA USA versus the Soviet Union and there was no way that we were going to win we were the underdogs by a long way but all of a sudden we as a nation began to rally around this hockey team hockey team of all things who plays hockey (laughs) but all of a sudden I became a fan I remember when Chick-fil-A was going through some things and all of a sudden, you know, we rallied around the nation. There were people that rallied around Chick-fil-A and, you know, there was all this, um, you know, all this conversation and people flooded Chick-fil-A to show their support. America is a diverse nation. And yet how many times have we seen it as a diverse nation made up of all kinds of different people and different religious backgrounds and languages and and nationalities, and yet there have been those times that we've rallied together, not around a sports team, but around the American flag and what it represents. Don't ever forget how our nation was founded and the people that have lost their lives so that we could live in freedom. But from a spiritual perspective as the church Jesus is what we rally around. Jesus is our rallying point. He's the center. He should be the focus. And unity is so much easier because especially when we learn it's not about me and my. It's not about my agenda. It's not about what what I think is right, but it's about Jesus. And it's about him. And so the question today would be something along this line. What is it you're rallying around? What is it that you're focused on? What flag are you waving to the world? What shirt are you wearing? What agenda are you promoting? Is Jesus at the center of of your life and in your thoughts? Is he your rallying point? Because Jesus knew that the greatest distraction to our unity would be our selfish motives and our ambitions, our agendas and our opinions. But Jesus didn't just pray for the sake of unity. But look at what he prayed for and why he prayed for unity at the end of verse 23. That the world would know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Because Jesus knew that disunity would not only be a distraction, but it would undermine the message of the gospel. The gospel message itself. The point being, when we live with Jesus at the center, it's not only attractive, but it is powerful. Amen? But what happens when it's not? You've all seen, we've all seen the fallout when Jesus has not been the center point. We've all seen the fallout when Jesus has not been the rallying point, but something else has been. And so there's a couple of things that I want to leave us with here today if we're going to remain focused and centered on Jesus. Number one, we got to stay focused on mission, people. we got to stay focused on mission. We aren't just a group of churchgoers. We are Christ followers. And when we come to trust Christ, all of a sudden we've been commissioned to live on mission, to grow spiritually, to share life, and to serve others, to use those gifts and talents that we aren't just we aren't just saved to stay the way we are, but we've been, we've been saved so that we can grow and mature in our, in our faith, and that we can share life together, we can have fellowship with one another, and we can, we can enjoy community together, and then use the gifts and talents that we have to be able to serve one another. And let me tell you this, guys, the rallying point is not a denomination, and it's not the name of a church, and it's not a pastor, and it's not a ministry, and it's not a style of music or anything else but it has to be Jesus. It has to be Jesus. Nothing else can stand in that way. It has to be Jesus. And when it is, when Jesus is at the center, it's so much easier to stay focused on the mission. Now I get it. Man, I understand that people attend church for all kinds of different reasons. Man, I sure like, I sure like that music. I mean, that big old guy, with that, he's got that white beard. He just sings so beautifully. He's pretty. <laughs> Nobody else could carry it like you do, big dog. That's all I can say. (laughs) Maybe it's for the preaching. Maybe it's for programming with children or youth or special ministries like Beyond the Walls. I mean, other people attend because of friendships. But let me just say this. If you hang around long enough, it's not going to be long before something begins to sort of itch at you. For something begins to happen and it doesn't happen the way that you think it should happen. And when it does, the threat will be the greatest. And when it does, the unity of the body will be challenged. And when it does, you're going to have to make a choice. What's most important. So we have to be focused on ministry. The second thing that we've, if we're going to remain centered on Christ, the second thought is this, we're going to have to be sensitive to the things that bother us. Like I said, if you hang around long enough, there's going to be something that bothers you. I can't believe that pastor wears jeans every Sunday morning. (laughs) Listen, it's done very intentionally because how many times have I heard people say, I I, I just don't sort of fit in. I don't have the clothes those people have. Listen, I don't care what you wear. Just wear something, okay? (laughs) Wear something. Cover up whatever it is you got to cover up, but wear something. Maybe you don't like the fact that Hooks is always trying to give out something that's fake. I mean, I don't know why in the world he's always trying to give out something. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm just just joking. I'm just joking. Somebody's going to call his hand one day and say, I want my tickets, please. Yeah. We need to share the same heart. We need to share the same concern. And you better pay attention. Because if there's something that's itching at you, it might be what you're focused on. It might be what you're rallying around. But you need to pay attention if there's there's attention. Because what bothers you might be an indication of what you're centered on instead of what you should be centered on. When something bothers us, we need to ask ourselves, why? Why? I mean, is it something that's keeping other people from knowing Jesus, or is it something just happens to be not the way that I like it or inconvenient? And maybe a question to ask ourselves is this question, is it in the way or is it just in my way, or is it just not my way? Uh Uh-oh. People walk away from churches all the time. All the time they walk away from churches, not because of things that are in the way of people coming to know Christ, but because it's not my way or because I've been hurt. As a church family, we can survive some bad decisions. I will tell you that. There's sometimes that, man, we do things and we go, why in the world did I do that? That just doesn't make any sense. And we got to go, I'm sorry. Whoop, about to back the horse up a little bit. Boop, 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 boop. You just got to back it up. We can survive the bad decisions from time to time, but we will not, and no church, no church, nobody body of believers will survive if we allow our preferences to become our rallying point. It will only distract us from the mission. And after a while, you'll see the people and you'll see the attitudes because Jesus isn't the center. Something else is. Because the distraction won't just distract us, it'll destroy us. There's those things that can knock us off center. But if you put it up under the microscope, more than likely, a lot of those things that we'll see will be stuff that really are not that important. We've been called to something greater, people. God's placed us here in this area for something specific. And it's about making a difference and making the world known who Jesus is, not just by what we speak, by how we choose to live. Um, I think you guys know that we're stretched, aren't we? As a church family, we're a little bit stretched. You know, we got the renovations going on. I mean, we can't fit people in here. It's got people standing up from time to time and it's just the way it is. I've had to ask God, God, give us grace. You're the one who builds the church, not us. Our staff is stretched. Uh, it's just the way. I mean, we've got men and women meeting off campus on Wednesday nights, and it's just the way it is. I, I, hate, I hate the fact that we have to carry certain things off of campus, but we just have to do that. The last time I looked, every resource is the Lord's, and so why not? Why not let's just use it. The church is not limited to what takes place here inside this building, people. Last year, we had to go off campus. This past Christmas, we had to hold all these different services. We're getting ready to have to do that again at Easter. We, instead of doing six services here, we're going to move off campus to Warren Willis. We've already made reservations to host them there. We're going to be hosting three services. I think 745, 930, I believe, and 1115. And I, I, know, I listen, I know the times aren't, aren't what the times are now, but we're going to do the best we can because Jesus is the rallying point. Amen? He's the rallying point. That's why we're doing what we're doing. I don't care about the paint on the walls and I don't care about the carpet on the floor. Just give us an opportunity to present Jesus and live Him out to the world. Yes. Jesus. The Bible says that there is a heaven and a hell, and one day we're going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account of the resources that He's blessed us with. Will we be known as faithful? I want to be known as faithful. Or will we just get caught up doing church instead of being the church? See, when Jesus prayed, he prayed very specifically. He prayed for unity because he knew the natural bent of these hearts and how easy it is for us to get distracted. And Jesus knew that the lives we live would either be attractive or distractive. As a church family... Jesus is our rallying point. Amen? Amen. Jesus is our rallying point. Jesus is our rallying point. And we need to stay focused on mission. And we need to be sensitive to the things that maybe bother us. And if we do that, if we do that and we ask the question, is it just in my way or is it it not my way? And if we do that, God will not only protect us, he will not only protect us, but he will propel us. If we continue as a church to keep the main thing, the main thing and recognize it's not just about doing church, but it's being the church, God will continue to bless us. But if we ever take our eyes off of Jesus, if we ever take our eyes off of him and make something else our rallying point, God forbid, God forbid. Somebody asked me the other day, I've been asked this several times, and I'm not against advertising at all. So if you're in the advertising business, please do not send me an email and say, I can't believe that you're... No, I'm not against advertising. But I've had people ask me about different things. I just say, no, no. I said, listen, the greatest billboards we have are the people that attend this place. You're either for him or you're against him. And the people that you come in contact in, the, contact in the world, they don't care how many times you go to church. They just want to know how you're acting when you're outside with everybody else. Do the words that come out of your mouth, are they encouraging or are they discouraging? Is your attitude one of, of peace or is it one of bitterness and unforgiveness? What message are we presenting? What message will we present in the days ahead? Prayerfully, Jesus And our hope for eternity in him. And when those tensions rise, which they will, they will raise their head, we will be wise enough to ask the question, why is the tension? Is it something that really needs to be paid attention to? Or is it just a preference? Is Jesus at the center? Is it personal? Is it causing other people to become distracted from that which is our ultimate mission and purpose? And so you might ask the question, what's at stake? And Jesus would say, everything's at stake. That's why I prayed. Because I knew. And I'm not talking about unity for conformity's sake. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about unity for conformity, that we would all look alike, smell alike, dress alike, do our hair alike. Mm -mm. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about unity in our diversity of who we are. And I'm talking about unity, why? For the sake of Jesus. For Jesus. Not just for my kids, not just for my friends and my neighbors, but for the ones who will come to follow us. Because there's something we've all got to think about. And it's always on my mind. When we're dead and gone, what legacy will we leave behind? My prayer is that we would do exactly what God called us to from the beginning. That we would not only leave a legacy, but we would live it. And when we live it, we will leave it. Would you pray with me this morning? Hmm. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Man, it's a good time for self-examination, isn't it? Is Jesus your rallying point? What's at the center? Why are you here? What are you focused on? Is there a tension in your life that needs to be addressed? Is there something that needs to be talked about? Is there something that you need to take before the Lord this morning and ask Him for forgiveness? Is there something you need to take before Him today and ask Him for wisdom? Jesus played for the believers because he knew what was at stake. He knew the impact. He knew the potential. But this morning, while our heads are bowed, maybe there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus. What is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of all? I'll tell you. It's yourself, your pride. Because up until this time, you've not felt like you've needed Jesus because you've had it all together. This morning, you have the ability to recognize right there where you are that there's a desperate need for Jesus. To cry out to him, to to confess your sin, to confess your sin, to believe that Jesus came and he lived on this earth. But he was buried, he was put in a tomb, and yet he was resurrected on the third day so that we might be able to live in freedom from sin. And today, if you've never made a decision to commit your life to Christ right there where you are, you have the ability to say, Jesus, today I recognize my sin. I believe that you died for me as a substitution. You paid the price for my sin. And Jesus, today I want to give, I want to willingly give my life to you. And right there, right there where you sit or where you're listening in your homes, you have the ability to say, Jesus, save me. Save me. And if that's you today, man, before you leave, I pray that you'll come and see me to say, Pastor Sid, I want to trust Jesus. Father, for the rest of us that are in this room, I pray that as we leave this room today that there would be one thing that would be on our mind and that is the rallying point of Jesus that Jesus would be at the center of who we are, that it would propel us in being on mission, that recognizing that you've commissioned us not just to believe, but, Father, to live, that when we walk out these doors, we would understand the privilege we have of being your representative to this world, that we're yours, and, God, that you will use us when we allow you to use us, when we allow you, Father, to take control, that we'll engage people in conversations about Jesus and about the hope that we have in Christ. Help us to be your ambassadors. Help us to live for you faithfully, bringing you glory and you glory alone. And in those moments when we when we have those tensions that that seem to stress us, may we ask those questions. Why? Why? Father, is there something that going on inside of me that needs to address? Or is there something that needs to be addressed? Give us us the wisdom. And Father, as leaders, may we always have listening ears. May we always have listening ears and be sensitive to, to this family, this church family and this community in which we serve. Bless us now as we go. Father, may you bless us as we continue to, to, to search, seek, seek to live as your, as your children. Um, Father, bringing you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.